You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of Showtime with Coop. Insightful BS with my Laker teammates and NBA legends. And in the house today, we have Adrian Francis Branch, a hometown kid from DeMatha, uh, grew up and played at DeMatha. Um, what else can I say about him? He's an NBA champion in 1987. Be quiet, I'm talking... He's a two-time second-team All-ACC, 1983 and 85. He's a four-time Parade All-American, 1981, a McDonald's All-American MVP in the game. Things I've never accomplished. I wasn't that good of a player. But in the house is Adrian Branch. Welcome, sir. Hey, I just want to know one thing. You see this right here? And I'm not giving you the finger. I'm giving you one finger. You know what this is. (laughs) Drive for five, baby. This is my championship ring. Thank you for winning that with me. But I got one question. You just said Lakers and legends. So am I a legend or a star? Which one am I? Well, you're a legend to me. (laughs) You know what? People, you know what? I don't have many friends. And I I really keep my close circle. AT is a friend, even though he's from afar. Uh, And you're a friend. And you're a legend. In, in, in our mind, you're a legend. May not be a legend to other people, but to me and you, <laughs> you're a legend. That's why I'm having you on. How's the family doing? Man, living a dream, brother. Living a dream. It is, it is so good. I'm, I'm being giddy right here because you're my hero. I never told you that story, did I? After we won the championship, 87, drive for five. I'm the only one that didn't come back. But Jerry West came to me and said, I want you to, because we're eight years apart. We're eight years apart. And by my playing time, two years in the minor league. So we were 10 years apart playing-wise. And they wanted me to groom up to be the next Michael Cooper. And I was like, man, please. Coop is my dog, big brother, mentor. But Coop don't shoot enough for me. <laughs> Coop, was the, <laughs> Coop was the original three and D. So he is defense, and he's going to shoot that three-pointer. So I went out and scored 55 points, set the L.A. Summer League record, Coop, 55 points. 
in three quarters. Jerry West walked out and said, that's the worst game I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I ain't come back. Why didn't I do the Michael Cooper 3 and D? Oh, well, Lord have mercy. Some people don't listen to great minds, and Jerry was a great mind. <laughs> well, and, and let me let me add this. You know, he, you question whether or not you, you were a legend or what category you fall into. We talked about this before, but there's only 4,374 people, give or take, wow. that have ever played in an NBA game. Wow. So anybody that's played in the NBA, I, I have not, is a legend in some regards because 4,000 people in the history of the league. It's right, not very like many. Yeah, go back 30 years ago when we played, so it was only 2,000 or maybe, you know, 200 right, at the time. Right, exactly. So, now, I, I'm, I'm really humbled, man. I, I, wear, I wear the Laker moniker with pride. I love that. I still say, Coop, our team, that I, we're top five. We're being polite. But our team was the greatest ever because when they go with uh, Michael Jordan's team, the difference is, okay, Michael and, and, and Magic cancel each other out. James and Scotty cancel each other out. But you're telling me Luke Longley on Kareem? You're Bill Cartwright? Me. Bill, Bill Cartwright? Cartwright on Kareem? No, that's too much captain. That's too much cap. That's too much. So I still say our team <laughs> is the greatest ever. I, I, and then, I believe that. And AB, our bench was better than theirs too. Who do you have? I just, and you can't even name any of them after that. So how come you guys didn't win 70 games then? Oh, man, please, man. Oh, That's because the NBA, when we played, was at its strongest. Man, you ain't have days off. You ain't taking days off and calling it in like, ah, no, I can't go. It was 65. We still had 65 grinding. And then and think about this. I still say, I know I'm jumping around real quick, but I'm so proud of you, Coop. I'm so proud. All right, he had a statement uh, almost a week ago, I think, where he said, you know what? The Lakers, the best move they had was getting a Dwight Howard because now Anthony Davis doesn't have to be center on that grind. And I thought that was statement was genius. And the late Muhammad Ali, when he if he heard that statement, Michael Cooper, he would say, You're not as dumb as you look. <laughs> that was on last week's podcast. He brought that up. I like and that. And he said one. that he said that too when when after the Lakers won the title. And they didn't, they didn't bring Dwight back yeah, and JaVale McGee. I missed that one. I didn't like that one because if you have a size differential, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Draymond Green on Anthony Davis, Anthony Please. Davis got that one. You know what I mean? And so I'm so proud. I, I am saying I am fair weather, though. Hey, when, when our Lakers winning, I got my ring on. When they lose, they stink. <laughs> so, <why> you, <laughs> I'm fair weather, man. I got it bad. I'm hey, listen, weather. that's why you'll be a legend in your own mind, man. <laughs> that's why. But <laughs> what was it like growing up for you as a young person? Oh, man, listen, it was it was amazing. The math I saw, I'm from the East Coast, and that's how y'all gave us that nickname, Stuck Scratcher. So I came to L.A. and it's like, man, he's a scratcher. This dude's a scratcher, which meant scrub. He couldn't play. So, uh I'm from uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, there's four of us. I went to DeMatha, uh, Morgan Wooten at the time, the winningest coach in the history of high school basketball. And I think, didn't you play with Adrian Dantley and Kenny Carter? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's from DeMatha, just yeah. to name a few people. Yeah, just Sidney Lowe, Derek Wittenberg, Markel Fultz, um, uh, uh, Victor Oladipo. So the line has been going well. It was fundamentals, fundamentals. A.B., uh, what makes that school so attractive to great players? You know what? I think uh, really Morgan Wooten took a page out of Dean Smith, who took a page out of Red Arback and took a page out of this one. You know this one right here, and this is on yep. my desk. 
the pyramid of success, Coach John Wooden. So my coach was so, so, uh, so fundamental, man, you could divide him by four. He just, man, he loved John Wooden and those fundamentals. And, and I, I love fundamentals too. But I'll tell you this, went to the University of Maryland, Lefty Drizel, who started Midnight Madness. The math and Maryland are only uh, three miles away from each other. And growing up, Coop, you know this one, growing up, if you were between 6'6 six, six and 6'9, six, you wanted to be one of three people at the time. You wanted to be either Magic Johnson, George Gervin, or Dr. J. And so for me, I wanted to play like the magic man and do all of that stuff. And eventually I wanted to wear my socks high like Michael Cooper and catch the alley-oop. <laughs> hey, Coop, let me ask this. Do you remember our rap song? Oh, yeah. You still remember yes, your line? Hit your line. Hit, yeah. hit your line and I'll hit my line. For All right, hit your line. My, my name, name is Coop. My main hangout is up around the hoop. We play hard, we play smart, but we never let drugs tear us apart. Oh, there we go. I'm Adrian Branch joining in the stance against the junk because I won a chance. So let's cut the crack man's mind back and tell him to hit the road, Mac. Whoa, <laughs> you said your line wrong though. You said my name is Coop. <laughs> Well, I got You remember, I'm 65 years old. My memory is fleeting now. <laughs> we did that when we were, what, 23, 24? Yeah, you roll, man. You roll. We what was that album. from? And who else had a verse in that? Oh, the, the whole team. team. The Everybody. Whole team. I got the record album somewhere here. 1987. Yeah. All right, check it out. 1987, Just Say No to Drugs, L.A. Lakers rap. The whole team. And so don't look past the short shorts. Everybody had the short shorts on. Oh, those are great. I, I wouldn't and wear that in front of my wife now. And we had, no, and we had uh, muscle shirts on. Oh, we had them little muscle shirts <laughs> on, man. We was kicking it, bro. What? That look, oh, man, that still works. <laughs> this one right here that hides my phone, that still works. So, A.B., <laughs> you go to DeMatha, and you got a great coach there that gets the fundamentals in you and school you, and you end up at the University of Maryland with Coach Lefty. Mm. Uh, how was your experience there? You know what, man, just just being young and a knucklehead, we won big. Uh, I was rookie of the year runner up to Michael Jordan. So the same year in high school, 1981, uh, coming out McDonald's All-American. I'll go back real quick. Uh, Coop just said that in the introduction. I was an East-West High School All-American, uh, East-West MVP trophy over Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan had 30 points. I had 24 points, but I got the MVP trophy over him. And Sonny Hill... And the wizard of Westwood, John Wooden, did the voting. So they voted me uh, the MVP because Michael had about 10 points of just basket hanging. He was cherry picking, and it was just like street ball. I scored all of mine in traffic. So I went to the University of Maryland and had success. But uh, wow, man, I'll give you guys a name. Lynn Bias. Lynn Bias. My oh, we're going to get to him. We're going to oh, get to man. him. Oh, man, my yeah. teammate and neighbor. So I, I had success, but... You know what? I, I, I tell people because I've been privileged to be a motivational speaker. Now they call it life coach. And if you're in church circles, they call it a chaplain. So whatever it is, whatever circle you're in, you know, I've been uh, privileged to speak to young people, over three million young people for the last 27 years. And I talk about you become what you hang around. So watch this at the University of Maryland, four bedroom apartment. Everybody's got their own bedroom in a four bedroom dormitory. One roommate gets kicked off the team for smoking marijuana. I get kicked off the team for driving them to uh, pick up marijuana. Another teammate gets accused of rape, and then Lenny dies. Come on, man. You become a wow. team around. And wow. so at Maryland, I wish I had been a better team, uh, 
team leader than ring leader. So instead of a courier, that's what you were. <laughs> man, come on, man. I was I was a knucklehead. I was a knucklehead. Uh, and and so it's not a crime if you fall down. It's a crime if you stay down. So yeah. two rings and, that I would carry. Is and this you know, one I, and that I, one. I was doing my research on UAB. Is uh, I think it was a comment that you said that Jerry West said, and it goes basketball legend Jerry West of the Lakers told Adrian. His demeanor was not good Ooh. in the NBA. Uh, Jerry told me he did not like my attitude at all when I was at Maryland. He said, my attitude affects me and my draft status. How did you feel about that? Wow. Good research, Coop. Good research. You're doing yeah. some homework. This Look is at your time with Coop, baby. We only do it one way. We do it the right way. Yeah, you're a champ. You're a champ. You're in love. You know what? That, that is so true. That cost me. Because we all had the same body type. If you were, like you said, between six... Six six and six nine could run and jump and defend and fundamentally sound, but after after uh, and and timeouts and that was so true, Coop. Boy, that was so true, and that cost me. I had a first round talent, but I had a bad attitude. So in timeouts, when Lefty would call us timeout, I'd be like this, man. Whatever, man. Go ahead. <laughs> you know the team's over here. I'm like I'm basically play me or trade me kind of sign, and so. I went to the minor leagues. Henry Bibby, our guy Henry Bibby, was the was the coach down there, and matured some. So when I got to the Lakers with you guys, he said, "I see where you really matured. I see where you really started to figure it out." But at the time at Maryland, or a teammate didn't give me the ball, I'm like this, man. Darn, I'm wide open. And again, being a ringleader instead of a team leader, so that body language mm. is everything. I good call, good call. You know when what? did you? Go ahead, Ari. When did you figure that out? Did you ever change in that? All right, all right. Let me answer that for him a little bit because then he goes on to make a statement: a bad attitude and lack of gratitude will slow your altitude and stump your aptitude. Nice. I I learned that from sitting on the bench. I learned that from Israel, Spain, Turkey, France, Australia. Yeah. Yeah, Attitude is everything, guys. Yeah. You know. Uh, having been a person when you walk in the room and you don't suck up all the oxygen, you know what I mean? Don't, don't be uh, Urban Meyer. God bless you, Urban. I love you, man. But when I walked in the room, I almost choked to death because he soaked up all the oxygen. Come on, bro. Lighten up. <laughs> bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Real-time update odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online, your laptop or mobile device, and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Uh, AB, you're listening to Showtime with Coop. All our listeners out there, insightful BS, and we got Adrian Branch in the house today. 
Uh, we're at that point of the show now that I got, I have a lightning round. I'm going to give you five names and you got to tell me as much as you want about these people. Okay. Truthfully or truthfully. Okay. This is true, baby. Uh, you know? all right, and, all right. and you're so Christian is that you can't lie because that's a sin. Okay. So I just got off my phone. Lefty Giselle, um, junkyard dog. If you didn't win the game, you're going to win the fight. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Loved him. Steroid free. Come on, Barry Bonds, lighten up. <laughs> Truth. Uh, Jerry West. Loved him. Absolutely loved him. Talent evaluator from Kobe Bryant to the Michael Coopers to the Adrian Branch. I'm privileged to have known him. Lynn Bias. Loved him. Loved him. Incredible talent. Uh, Bobby Knight said that Michael Jordan and Lynn Bias were the best players he's seen in 20 years. This was 1986. But a touch of a follower. He let the wrong people get too close to him. And last mm -hmm. but not least, John the Baptist. Woo! Wild. He, he, he had a big black leather belt. Wild locusts and honey. And, and of those born to women, ain't none greater. So he had game. <laughs> A.B., uh, we talked about Lynn Bias a little bit. And I remember in 1984, uh, Boston Celtics were going to draft him. And it was a, a big hoopla about him. And I had watched this young man play a couple of games. And, you know, we had James Worthy. We had Magic. So we had a little more personnel than the Celtics had. And I know that Boston fans were so fired up about this young man coming out of college, man. And they thought, okay, they had Larry Bird, McHale, mm -hmm. Parrish, mm -hmm. uh, DJ. They had now they had somebody that could match athleticism it. with Worthy, and hopefully that would be. I mean, it, it would have been a tremendous rivalry, uh, yeah. you know. And I was fearful of him because the kid, wow. I've never seen anybody jump that high over the rim at six. And violence. He like was that. violent at the rim yeah. too. Oh yeah. And yeah. so can you take us through the night of the draft? And unfortunately, Lynn, like you said, was led down the wrong road and it cost him his life. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Oh my goodness. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. In fact, uh, in fact, on Friday before the draft, I think the draft was the 19th. He was in the weight room at the University of Maryland. And so I'm one year ahead of him. I was on the minor leagues. I went out and I was getting ready to try out for the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers. And so he's in the weight room and he's six foot eight, 220 pounds, 4% body fat. And he was strong that day. He was bench pressing, you know, 225 for a basketball player back then was something and doing curls and squats. And then he came up to me and he formally shook my hand. And he came up to me and he formally said, goodbye, Adrian. I'm like, what? And he usually called me cook. He called me cook on the basketball court because he said, man, you've been cooking. Like I used to do with you, Coop, in practice. Coop, <laughs> Coop, hey, all right. Coop was the player of the year. I'm going to get back to Lenny. Coop was the player of the year, defensive player of the year that year in 87. But Wes Matthews and I always teased Coop and said, if they ever came to practice, you wouldn't have been player of the year. Hey, you know I was kicking your ass. You better be quiet. But go ahead with your story. <laughs> so, so he used to call me Cook on the basketball court. Like, all right, get him Cook. Get him Cookie. You know, like that. So he came up and formally shook my hand and said, goodbye, Adrian. And I'm like, wow. something like, and then leading up to that, because uh, I only lived 20 minutes from, from Maryland, and so did Lenny. In fact, we were 
very, very close to the University of Maryland. And I would see him uh, a month or two months before June 19th. And I'd be like, man, something big is getting ready to happen. Something big is getting ready to happen. We knew he was going to be a high draft pick. I was a draft pick. And, and so I was like, man, something big is getting ready to happen. Was he excited about that? Yeah, I mean, he was he was he was in his own space, okay. and he was just still letting the wrong. You know, when you're young, you're having fun. The wrong, you're invincible. Yeah. So, uh, in your mind, you're invincible. And so that night, I stayed up talking with my aunt and my brother, and we just talked about life. And we stayed up all night long, eyeball to eyeball, just like right here, the three of us talking. And then I fell asleep, and at eight fifty-one in the morning. Uh, man, I'm just going through like a bad dream, bad dream. I'm serious, a bad dream. And then all of a sudden it was just straight calm. And my dad calls me and he's like, hey, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. Who dad? He's dead, he's dead. I'm like, who? He said, Lenny's dead. 8.51 in the morning. Wow. The story about, you know, overdose on cocaine. And it's still a, a profound impact on me to this day. And the it, AB that night, what I mean, what was he doing that night? He was with the wrong group. Were well, you with him or no? That's what I mean. I was not at the University of Maryland. Okay. And and I was talking with my family, like I said, eyeball yeah. to eyeball. So I wasn't there. And then, you know, everybody has their own personal space or their own personal life. So Lenny didn't show that side of I, I knew the guy, Brian Tribble. He was a good dude. He was really uh, a good dude. And and we we hung out. You know, we hung out well. But so the triple guy is one of the guys he was hanging out with that night. Yeah, that supplied the drugs like that. And yeah. and he was a good dude. He was just trying to get, get in the fast lane. And sometimes, guys, you don't get a chance to have a, a second chance. You know what I mean? And right. the difference between us and guys that are locked up, guys that are embarrassed, guys that are just put out, is they got caught and we didn't. Think about how many close calls we may have had. Yeah. Totally. So, so that day, the specifics, and, and I didn't even want to know, if it was a, a water vial or what they said, a, a crack kind of cocaine, I really don't know that, you know, and, and some things you really don't want to know because it just yeah. hurts you so bad. But that night you just heard about that. And it's just, it's forever a reminder, man. It's just, yeah. And AB, and you know what, to your knowledge, he had never tried drugs before. Straight mm -hmm. guy. Yeah, yeah, he was he was a he was a clean cut guy. Yeah. He was a clean cut guy. But you know, all of us, all of us got a a sin nature. All of us oh, got some sure. underground in us. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. And like I said, it's I, I would just say this is sometimes you just don't get that second chance. Yeah. And sometimes some people they, you got caught and they didn't. <laughs> the difference is I'm like I go into prisons and speak and say, hey man, the difference between y'all is I'm going home because y'all got caught and I didn't. And that's nobody wins on that one. Nobody yeah. wins on that story, guys. And you know that what? was. Go ahead, Ari. Yeah, yeah. That was. I mean, it seemed like a seminal moment in the history of the NBA. Cocaine was a you know a, a very much a used drug in the NBA at that time. In the eighties, do you think that that like what's your perception of how much that changed the perception of the drug in the NBA, maybe even in America too? I think what it did for me, as far as, as hearing that, and the NBA wasn't, at, I mean, it was it was out there, but it wasn't a big staple like it was in the late 70s. Sure. In the late 70s, that's all you heard. Uh, the NBA became a item as far as on TV and really being out there. CBS Sports brought it to life even more. And then you get a lot of hanger-oners. You get uh, mm -hmm. drug guys. You get mm -hmm. gang members. You get uh, mm -hmm. guys that want to throw games and, and mm -hmm. gambling yeah. and stuff like that. So... For me, what that moment did for me is it really made me realize is that 
like Adrian said, you get that one chance. And yeah. that one chance, you take a big chance because that might be your one chance. And as he said, yeah. many of us, have, uh, you get second, third chances on whether it be drugs or alcohol yeah. or yeah. making a wrong turn or accidentally yeah. doing this or something like that. Yeah. But I try to use that moment for, for me, as I try to tell kids, this, this young man was gonna be a force had he had that opportunity to come into the NBA. He was about to change the Boston Celtic culture like it had never been changed before. I really doubt, and I'm, you know, just I just this is my feeling about it. It'd have been hard to beat them, and we wow. I don't think we would have won as many championships as we won in the late wow. '80s once he got there. Because yeah. that guy, man, and he was a team player, nice guy. I mean, he would have fit in so well with that group. But what I tell kids, and I use Lynn Bias as an example, and it's an unfortunate one, but it's one that is a reality that they can really sink their teeth in, no matter how great you are or how small you are, all of us get that one opportunity yeah. to say no. Yeah, yeah. Everybody get that chance to say no. And yeah. if you say yes, that, that could be the time. It for opens me. all kind of doors. Slam dunk, Every, everything that you're just saying. And Ari, what I'm hearing is that is, is Coop was a fearless defender, fearless. In fact, Coop, you got to remember this. This is etched in my mind. I'm hoping you remember this play. We're playing Seattle. <clears throat> And talking talk about the, the, where you just made that statement, if they had Lynn Bias, they may have tilted that because I think Bird and them could have played another two years or so. I really think he would have kept them fresh. You got to remember this play, though. We're playing against Dale Ellis in the playoffs, and you're in the corner. Remember that shot you blocked to his? Well, he took me on one side and, and thought came he across, came across. It was almost, you got to look at Hakeem Warwick when he did it in Syracuse. Yeah, it was yeah. the same exact kind of play. Coop almost jumped. He was on one side. He shook Coop or something. He was wide open. Coop came and jumped literally almost from the middle of the three-second lane to get out towards the uh, three-point line and block the shot. And I thought that was as incredible as when Dr. J jumped on you, because I'm still teasing you about that one. <laughs> but, you say, but you say you did get dumped on by a legend. You're going to take me from an extreme high to the ultimate low. <laughs> and we talked about we that did. when we had Dr. J on the show. I'm, I'm trying to think if we talked about that when we had Dell Ellis on. Did we talk Ooh. about that when we had Dell on? No, we did no, not. Dad, you didn't talk. That, that oh. play defensively was so amazing. That was one of the most amazing plays. You remember that one, Coop? I do remember. And you know what? Just got my fingertip on it. It wasn't amazing, but all I did was just tip the ball and the shot fell short. Had they hit that shot, they would have gone up. They would have won that. They would have won. All right, that play was so amazing. I was going to ask Coop for his autograph. (laughs) (laughs) I know we're teammates. Can I have your autograph, sir? You are the man. You are the man. You was getting my autograph every day in practice because I was locking you up. Coop like, you know why Coop liked me? Because I wasn't afraid. Scott Scratcher wasn't That's afraid. It. That's it. I, I, mean, I love these guys, man. But it was a profound impact. Uh, Coop, and then here's the other thing about Coop. Coop, they had those defensive slides. This is just God-given. You were able to stay in a defensive squat and go just as fast in balance as somebody that was running. Come on, man. You, you can't do that. That's a natural. It's like a cornerback that can backpedal and still make a cut when the wide receiver does. Coop, where is that from? I, I mean, well, I was think, fascinated with that. 
like like uh, your coach at in high school at Dematha, I had a very good coach, George Churchill, who passed away about three years ago. That's all we did for the first three weeks of the season. Mm. He didn't have any basketballs out there. All we did was defensive slides, defensive slide. And if you came up, we had to start to drill over. So everybody Ooh. had to stay down low. So, you know, you, you are right. Fundamentals are important because they take you a long way, not just in basketball, but, but in out in this world on being, mm. you know, the fundamentals you learn at home when you get out there. I know mm. you do some work with athletes in action. As mm. you said, you spoke. You do. Uh, I remember going to the FCA meetings, the Fellowship Christian Athletes, because my high school coach was big into that. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, you, you know what? Uh, kids, kids can sniff out a fraud. Before you mm. come in, you know, it, it's not about the X's and the O's. It's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And kids can sniff out a fraud. And so you just got to be real. And the best way to be real is just being yourself. So when I finished playing in 93, uh, this guy, Bill Allison, who was actually the chaplain for the Boston Celtics, lives in uh, 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 Baltimore, Maryland, but drives up uh, or flies up to uh, Boston. He said, how would you like to be a motivational speaker to kids? I said, motivational speaker to kids? I hate kids. What am I saying to some kids, man? I said, what do you do? He said, man, you tell your story. You go into school for uh, 30 minutes and tell your story. I said, man, I ain't got all I remember. It's not 30 minutes. And it ain't keeping no kids' attention. One, keep your cool in the neighborhood pool. And number two is say no to drugs. That ain't working. So I had to find out what my story was and just what we were talking about. Okay, my story was one, uh, getting kicked off the team at DeMatha High School for an attitude driving a teammate to pick up drugs at, at University of Maryland. Uh, two levels, two teams, high school and college attitude again. Uh, so my theme is choices. You're not born a winner or a loser. You're born a chooser. First make your choice, then your choices make you. Then I tell my story mm. on the Lakers, though. I ain't putting nobody business out there, Coop. But I tell, I say, I tell about the Laker bus. Are you mixed up or are you fixed up? And so I talk about AC, our teammate. AC was a preacher. He'd sit on the front of the bus and he'd drink a Coke. But on the back of the bus were some of my wild friends. West hey, you know what? We, hey, we were trying to corrupt him so bad. <laughs> I know y'all we was. Strip clubs. Uh, we, I mean, but you know remember, what? Remember Cap's 40th birthday? Remember, remember Cap's 40th birthday? <laughs> they had a, All right, we had a, a, a go-go dancer. And in all places, the most conservative state, Utah. <laughs> And Pat Riley was like, everybody, there wasn't cell phones back then. It was like, everybody got to be in the, you know, up in my suite. So we come up and the stinky butt comes out the gate and she's dancing around, dancing around, shaking, shaking, shaking. I'm like, dang, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the front of the bus, kind of in the back of the bus. AC walks through the dance, the little strip dance and slams the door. Remember that coop? So Ace was all in the right way. So, okay. So all year long, I'm sitting out hanging with Wes Matthews, Michael Cooper, my mentor, big brother. So on the back of the bus, oh, we'll just leave it like this. I drink a beer. Beer is legal, not legal. It's not talking about legalism. All right. So on the front of the bus with Ace, I drink a Coke. Back of the bus, I drink a beer. I drink a beer, drink a Coke, drink a Coke, drink a beer. One day I come to the front of the bus. I'm like, yeah, Ace, yeah, boy. I like my beer ice cold. He's like, Adrian, what's that in your hand? <laughs> Nothing, Ace. Amen, brother. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 
AC used to keep us in check, though. He would, you know what? I love him because A stayed true to his faith, man. He's That's true. what he was about. And he did not let this old wild, crazy, X-rated <laughs> Laker team corrupt him. And and you know what? After a while, A B, after you left, we all conformed to him. Wow. <laughs> Having beer on the bus. Wow, wow. That's what it was. Because I had my cat hat cat to the side. I'm like, yeah, I'm from DC, boy. I'm in Sunset Boulevard. We're doing this, cat. It's like, oh, here's Ace. Uh, amen, brother. Hey, man, milk and cookies. Yeah, I'll take that. Your Bible study for $2. So, listen, anyway, you we're better for it. Showtime with Coop. Insightful <laughs> DS with Adrian Brands. A.B., last couple of questions. Um, what do you think of, of the state of college basketball today? Because I know you do some uh, an analyzing with that. Now that players can get paid, how do you think that's going to affect college basketball? You know, I, I don't mind that so much. The bigger thing I, I, I really, really am disturbed with is that our records, all-time scoring, ain't nobody going to break because they don't stay in school anymore. You know, and yeah. That's a good so, thing. Yeah, but here, here's the problem, Coop. You can average 15 points a game, you're gone. You can sit on the bench and be the sixth man, you're gone. So nobody has to endure long-suffering, patience, uh, try again, perseverance. Yeah. And my problem is if they don't like the coach, they don't like the vibe, they don't like how they're coddled, they're leaving. And so when they get to our age, through the grace of God, when they get to their 50s and 60s, I think that they 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 will not have had to exercise problem solving because if you take a 10 year old, let's say a 14 year old kid playing on probably three or four AAU teams, then he's going to three or four high schools. Then you go to three or four colleges. You've been to about 12 different settings in those formative years and you've never had to work on patience. That's my whole thing. I don't mind the coaching. I don't mind the exercise. I don't mind the strategy, but that stick to itiveness Man, I think we're really sorely lacking, and it's going to show its ugly head, a 14-year-old, when they get to 35, 40, you know, when they have to raise kids and families. You know what? My biggest issue with it is I think going, going through four years of college, and this is what I say about the NBA back then, when you had, and Magic, there was a few exceptions, but James Worthy, uh, mm -hmm. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yeah. everybody yeah. goes four years. And those, like you said, are your formative years. You get to really understand the game of basketball from a fundamental standpoint, if your coach is good. I And I truly believe this. Some of your best friends are made in college. Absolutely. I think some people that you have to you grow up and be with and not necessarily have to be a teammate, but they go on and they're nuclear scientists or something, but you develop those, those friendships. Sure. And last but not least for me, would be you get a chance to really get your hat if you make it to the NBA you get that social circle but you get to see what it's like to be in front of a camera mm. I think the biggest disappointment I ever heard remember Reggie Williams from Georgetown and they won a championship <laughs> on the interview year, in it, on the interview and they put that mic in his face and Reggie didn't know how to articulate himself and he ended up saying Oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> Darn, that was a black on black crime. Come on, yeah. bro. <laughs> Coach Thompson handled that well for them. And I was glad he was standing there with them. But I think those are the moments that identify and make you that whole rounded person. So when you do become a professional, you're ready to handle adversity. You're ready to handle conflict. You're ready to handle that, that, that person coming in and saying, so Adrian, what do you think of the game tonight? 
and you can speak articulately and not have to say this, that, or right, duh, right, 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 um, or I yeah. feel you. I think yeah. that's what's missing for our young people in college. Well, let me, let me ask you this because I, I was fascinated, man, when you were cook, I, on the same subject with the women and you were so successful as a women's coach. Is it a more fundamental game with them? And they're they're not leaving in droves like the guys are. What's what's the difference? I, I would love to ask while we got you right here, Coach. Well, I, I think that's the biggest difference. Is you know, women are always smarter than us from early, early age. And women uh, understand the game. They truly play the game below the rim. So fundamentals yeah. are very important to them. Yeah. You're very rare that you'll get a lady that's going to be playing above the rim. Mm. A guy here it, it can be six eight, and he's playing above the rim, so he he don't worry about the fundamentals. That's so right. that's, that's right. another aspect. But then again, women do take advantage of the academic curriculum that they yes. go to school. Yes, I was coaching in in college, the women's team, and I was over there and going with the men's team. There was a assistant coach used to go out every morning at seven in the morning and he would like, come on, go with me. So I'd go ride through USC campus. I'd be like, what are we doing, man? Hey man, I gotta go check on my players, see if they're in class. What? 17 class, <laughs> he'd go there and the guy's not in class so they gotta call him and stuff. I never, not once did that for women. Mm. And I did it on a surprise for them. I just went, every one of my players were in class at that time. And oh, that's what amen. I appreciated about it. So amen. women have that knowledge and that, that um, adultness coming early. Yeah, yeah. I, I would go, and, and we can learn from that, man, because there's a saying, early ripe is early rotten. Early ripe is early rotten. So you get a teenager that's sitting there partying, sexing, drugging, drinking, smoking, and you, you, you're moving so fast early. So early ripe is early rotten. And when they get to our age, you know, 57 and Coop, what are you like, 85 or something? You look good. <laughs> you look good to be my great grandfather. No, they, they get to our age. Two years older than you. <laughs> you miss so many things. And so, man, slow down, unpack the bags, and just enjoy the moment. My high school coach, Morgan Wooten, would say, inch by inch, life's a cinch. Yard by yard, it's really hard. So, man, be curious. Unpack the bags. You had this talent since you were 14, 15 years old. Slow down, man. Don't, the, the, the grass is all right. It's green. Enjoy it. You know what, hey, I'm very, very impressed by you, man. You are your little sayings that you have. and just He's got a lot of good ones. Yeah. Let, me, let me just ask you too, to play devil's advocate a little bit here on the paying players and name, image, and likeness stuff. So a couple of things. Number one, you've got guys that are getting projected to be second-round picks or undrafted that are still leaving mm -hmm. because – they're going to get paid playing in Europe or playing in the D in the G league. Right. So I think that helps that it, it will, it will allow guys to stay longer since now guys are leaving just to get paid anything. So if they stay at college, they might make more. And the other thing too is now colleges are investing in them, in their brand and mm -hmm. in helping them to become better, you know, in terms of public, like before it was college was very, you know, English and math. And mm -hmm. now they're teaching them many practical skills. Mm -hmm. You have to pay taxes on the money you're earning you know, interviewing this kind of stuff you brought up, Coop. So I, I agree with you completely on transferring. It, there is a level of you've got to face adversity in order to understand how to overcome adversity and good luck being successful in life in anything if you're unable to overcome adversity. Mm -hmm. But I do think when it comes to name, image, and likeness, some of these guys getting paid, there are, there are some positive pieces to it, especially when it comes to some of the education that now universities are basically being forced to invest in them. Mm. I, I would ride with that. I mean, but e even having, and, and Coop, I know you're close to it because from a coaching standpoint, well, for you, you were 
you were a player and then a high level champion player and then a coach. I play one on TV. I ain't no coach, man. I play one on TV, so I got the best shot. I can leave those knuckleheads. Here, here's my thing. I think it's almost not so much the kids because it's a puppy mill with the yep. AAU. And you do a, a successful AAU program. But, uh, Coop, can you speak to that? I think it's the parents. It's even the yeah, parents that's totally. even wackier than the kids. Well, you know what? What you got now, because I am involved with the AAU. I have yeah. a, a team called 2-1 Elite. And parents now are distorting this whole process of basketball by taking these kids. And now the biggest thing now is the holdbacks. Okay. And they're holding them back when they 10, 11, 12, because they see mm -hmm. uh, the group that they're coming along with. They may mm -hmm. not be talent wise up to mm -hmm. that level. So, you know mm -hmm. what? Let that group go on. I'm going to hold mm -hmm. my son back for two years. Mm -hmm. And they think that that's going to help their child in the long run. Mm -hmm. And I think it hurts them. Yeah. Only reason I would recommend a holdback is if your son or daughter is having academic issues and they really are struggling to, to move from the ninth grade to the 10th grade. Okay, I can see the holdback there. But these parents are doing it strictly from an athletic standpoint. Mm. Wow. Now they hold him back. Now he, he's a 17-year-old he's a, a playing against 15-year-olds yeah. yeah. dominating. dominating. Now yeah. he gets to college and you see somebody your same age or to the pros, they're going to whoop your ass anyway. Right. So that's not <laughs> right. about that. And that's, that's my feeling. I think it's really bad. I, for, for, the music that you guys are making, in my pers uh, perspective, what Ari just said, intelligent conversation, what you just said, intelligent conversation, attitude is everything, the perspective of it. Like, I'll take a nugget from what you just said, Coop. I don't think it's bad if they're, if they're uh, a young, like I was always young. I could have been, I could have stayed back two years because I was always young for my age. Always, excuse me, always the youngest. But if you are uh, holding back for a year just to mature, that's not a bad thing. But yeah, the, I've attitude, heard that. the attitude to hold them back for the hoop dream status, instead of being the 25th ranked, you can go against uh, younger kids and be the second or third rank. Yeah. I think that's not right. Yeah. But everything that you guys are saying, I think it's, it's the attitude. It's the fundamentals of do what's right because it's right and do it right. And if you and I do it right as senior statesmen now, we should never go out of business. Coop, for what you're doing and how you're training these kids, we should never go out of business because a lie sprints, but truth has endurance. That's free, bro. I ain't even charging you for that statement. <laughs> That's free, dog. Well, I'll right, be writing gonna, all these down, Coop. I'm going to comment on a little bit on what you said about, uh, the, and you, A.B., about the players going overseas. And there's an old saying, out of sight, out of mind. Right. I think that's the fear that these guys have to do. Okay, I might go overseas, and, and uh, the ball kid did that, and I think he kind of it played successful for him. Sure. But you got to remember, you go overseas, man, they hear about you, but they don't see you. And in right. the NBA, it's about me laying eyes on you. Yeah, they have scouts and stuff over there. But if I'm a pro coach and I see somebody in the G League or in college, I can see what I'm going to get. And I that's think true. that's the big thing that kids have to understand about leaving school early, not going to the NBA, but jumping overseas because it's a little bit more money. All money ain't good money. Oh, yeah. good point. But you know what? Now think about this. Our basketball, our basketball uh, progenesis, uh, um, um, Jerry West, Jerry West would go through the cracks and crevices and find that talent. Yeah. Jerry, there's no, I still say Jerry. But AB, those are rare. You don't get all those. Those are yes. rare people that do yes. that. 
Yeah, and Pat Pat Riley, that's cut from the same cloth. He's still a Laker. He could be down in Miami for 100 years, but Coach Riles, you're still a Laker. Don't even try it. You're still a Laker. You can be sunset <laughs> all you want. You're a Laker in our book. Hey, you're still a Laker too, A.B. I don't <laughs> care how far away from me you try to run from. You're still a Laker. <laughs> I love it. And, and so okay. it, was, it was an excellence. I'll tell you a story that sums up, it sums up for me with a Laker. I'm messing around, and, and Coop was my guy, man. Coop, Coop gave me that little McLeod coat. Remember, I, I was I ain't have a coat, man. I ain't had no coat. And so Coop let me use the little McLeod coat. It was a real nice one, keep you real warm. And so uh, her dim at the time was like fifty dollars. You know, fifty dollars a day. I'm the twelfth man on the team, man. I got me a Volkswagen Cabriolet. I got the same thing you had. You had that souped-up Volkswagen. You still got that one? It was blue. No, I eventually sold it about five years ago. I kept oh, it. About thing. five years. Hey, all right, this thing had to be about forty years old. He had it in high school, college. It was nice though. Wow. It was nice. It was nice. It got rid of it five years ago. Yeah. So I had a Volkswagen Cabriolet. I wasn't tripping. I'm a conservative guy. So I go to McDonald's. You know, we're supposed to eat at the Marriott and get the big fancy steaks, you know, and the pasta, all of that. I was like, shoot, I'm 175 pounds, just like Coop. You're six, seven and a half. I'm going to McDonald's Happy Meal for $2. I'm banking it. So we're in a five-star hotel. This is talking about the excellence of the Lakers. And I'm messing with Coop teasing me. I'm teasing him. So I ball up my Happy Meal, and I throw it at Coop as he's getting out, like on the eighth floor. And Magic didn't embarrass me in front of everybody. I was like, go ahead, Coop, shut up. And I threw my trash. Magic didn't embarrass me as we were going up to the 12th floor. He's like, hey, Scratcher, quietly. He said, man, why don't you go down and pick up that trash on the eighth floor that you threw at Coop? We're the Lakers, and we got a standard of excellence. Mm. I said, you know what? Yeah, why don't I go back down to the eighth floor and pick up my trash? Because we're the Lakers and a standard of excellence. And that's what the Lakers meant to me, man. It was a, it was a standard professionalism and that's why we were champions in coop before i got there and even after i left they were champions brother and that's in the dna paying attention to detail that's true that true that plus you knew you had to go down there and do it or magically trade your ass the next day <laughs> you couldn't trade me for anything lower i'm the 12th man on the team but i had jokes and i was, I was cool with it i was yeah cool. you kept everybody laughing you like the guy in jail to keep off my ass let me tell some jokes <laughs> Uh, last thing, Scratcher, let you go, man. Uh, the state of the NBA today, what do you think of it? Did you pick the Bucks to win, or I mean, how do you see that? You know what? I'm happy. I'm happy they were. First of all, I was in mourning for my Lakers, for our Lakers. You know what I mean? Uh, the state of the NBA, the, the, it still runs through the Lakers. It still runs through the Lakers. LeBron is phenomenal at his age. Because, Coop, you played all the way up until, what, the same age, 34, 35? Yep, 35. And, and going long, going yeah. long. So for what, what LeBron is doing, still being a top five player with the miles that he has on those legs and the tread, that is amazing. Kareem as well was like that. Kareem at yeah. 40, remember, he was still averaging 23 a game. Um, I still think it runs through the Lakers because of Anthony Davis, because of uh, uh, LeBron, and then, uh, of course, with uh, Westbrook, man, he's still going to be a problem, and he's going hard. Uh, I love that the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks did not underachieve. When you got the Greek freak, now Coop, you were a defensive guy, and that's Dan. That sucker was a problem. Any six eleven? No, he ain't a problem. All you do is back off or make him shoot a jump shot. 
if he figures it out, if he gets to Eric Snow, a serviceable, a Dr. J, Dr. J had a jumper, you know, serviceable 15-footer. He get a serviceable 15-footer, unstoppable. I don't think you can do anything. So I, I'm, I'm glad that they won because I need them to get rid of that small ball. That small ball drives me nuts, man. Oh, that's, 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 AB, that's getting ready to get become more prevalent. I'm telling you, man, small ball is going to be here for about another year or two until you start getting these big guys coming in the league again, and then you dominate. get inside play. Yeah, because you're extincting them. And watch this. You got Rudy Gobert that's sitting there. Remember, it used to be when you had a big guy, it'd be mouse in the house, mouse in the house. Yep, yep. Right, trying dump to, it down. To, I'm going to work. Now the guards are like this. Don't worry, I got the big fella close to the right. basket. And right. they do that pick and roll switch. MB down in there. He's shooting a fallaway jumper on a six-one guard. That's hard to take. Yeah, that one's hard to take right there. All right. So, so <laughs> I need them. It's a copycat lead. I need our beloved NBA to continue to let them giants win basketball games. So you can extinct. You know, uh, uh, Michael Jordan's team. They're going to have uh, Mikael Brid- uh, Miles Bridges uh, from uh, you know Michigan State as their small. Small forward shooting guard is going to be a power forward. P.J. Washington at center. Boy, we'd be lick, licking our chops. Kareem to the rescue. Kareem, magic, Cooper Loop for the alley-oop. So anyway, but I'm not knocking it. It's their turn. I still love our Lakers. And you know what? Use basketball. Don't let basketball use you. There you have it. Another great one. Listening to Showtime with Coop podcast. Insightful BS with my man, Adrian <laughs> Brands today. Although he didn't use any curse words, we still love him. Uh, but Damn it. Maybe, thank you so much, sir, for coming on and enjoying us. Anything else for him, Ari? No, I appreciate it, man. This was uh, very entertaining. Thank you very much. Oh, you guys hey. are the best, man. That's Adrian Bands from Uncle Uncle Ben's log cabin behind him. He's gonna go back and do it. <laughs> his y'all, thing. Y'all know hey, how we're rolling. Y'all know how we're rolling. There you go. Real. Look yeah, at that Gatorade. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's or that's his timeout. His wife put him in timeout, so he has to go down there. A B, love you, man. Thanks a lot, dude. Love you guys. Okay. Peace.